Hello and welcome to page one, the Writers Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And wait, Tarek, who's this? Oh, it's Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been released from the cupboard of dispatching page ones for a special appearance (laughs) on the page one podcast. (laughs) Tim, Tim is, you may have heard if you've listened to the podcast before, we have referred to the boss in quotes. And Tim is that man. Or legend. I the myth. I don't think we've called you legend. Ah, the man, the legend. The I obviously, person. haven't listened to all of them yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, uh, Tarek. This is a one of a special series of episodes we've recorded at the Fringe with comedians to find out about their writing process for their stand-up shows, um, and we recorded these at a variety of venues across Edinburgh. So the sound quality does vary at times. We we sometimes recorded them at the venues themselves. But um, Tarek wasn't able to make all of the interviews, so Tim kindly agreed to step in. Interviewer extraordinaire. Yes, and I think, Tarek, you're out of a job. (laughs) I've been waiting 112 episodes for this day. (laughs) I'm finally free. (laughs) Well, you've not heard my ones yet, so we'll see see how that goes. We'll see how it goes with the listeners. But yeah, um, so uh, we will get uh, straight into these special episodes we're releasing uh, at least one a day this week. They're very short uh, episodes, but hopefully very interesting and funny, of course. And we'll play a quick advert for a writer's notebook and then we'll get straight into the interview. But for now, on with the podcast. See you later. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made Page One. Page One is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Hello, 
Hello and welcome to this very special episode of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. Uh, I'm Marco. And I'm Tarek. And uh, we're here with a very special guest, Skalk. Bezayda Notes. <laughs> I promised him I would do that. I would say my surname for him. <laughs> yeah, because there's no doubt that I would have mucked that up. So yes, thanks very much for joining us, Skalk. Uh, it's actually more respectful that you did that, you know. Some people just like... Make I'll something get it, up. They just bulldoze through it. <laughs> well, not that I care, but you know. Um, so uh, you've got a show on at the Fringe, but when did you decide that you wanted to launch into comedy career? Um, yeah, I I didn't really decide. It sort of decided to choose me. That sounds very uh, like a beginning of a Harry Potter novel, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Um, all came in your window and just said, "Come on, you need to go to stand-up school." Yeah, so, so, so I, I was like sort of class clown in school, and especially in high school, I was the go-to guy mm-hmm. to always advertise things on the in assembly. Um, so, whenever there was something that, uh, like a fundraiser at the school or something that tickets needed to be sold for, and tickets were slow, they'd always be like, "Oh, get skull." He's going to go on stage and he's going to do a little <laughs> song and dance and he's going to do silly character and whatever and that, you know, and then basically motivate people. Okay, guys, come. Everyone needs to buy tickets for the Valentine's Ball. Um, but my focus was always more acting and then I went to the University of Cape Town. I auditioned for the acting degree I wanted to get into and I didn't get in. Um, and then I was sort of stuck in first year BA, lots of time on my hands and I did do drama as a subject but we only had one practical class a Mm. week and then I was just really craving to get on stage obviously you can't just like go be in a play it's like impossible so the the only way I could kind of find to get on stage was with stand up and then I started it I then did get into the degree the second time I auditioned a year later but by that stage the sort of bug had bitten me I was getting good at it I was yeah. actually s- slowly but surely starting to get paid gigs every now and then and I was still a student so I was like hey I mean all this money yeah. is just That's great. going yeah. to, to, yeah. to drinking because I was still getting like an allowance from my parents <laughs> but uh, the more the more I did it the more I started seeing well, a shift well. or have a realisation that I think instead of an actor that does comedy on the side, it's going to start getting like a more comedian that does acting every now and then when I get an opportunity. Sorry, that noise in the background is a radio going off. You can hear that. <laughs> um, and, and your first stand-up job... I Sounds like we had a police station. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You read it. Um, uh, your first stand-up job was uh, at a strip club? Is yeah. That right? uh, well, it was my first paying gig. Okay. Um, and... I'm trying to th- work out what it was in pounds. It was 4,000 rand, which is 200 pounds. Okay, for one night? Yeah. Nice. For, as a first-year student. That's pretty yeah. Yeah. It was in the holiday, and I, I get offered 200 pounds, basically, to do this gig. I was like, wow. Because the most I'd made at a gig was you know sometimes if you do well the owner of the bar would say like hey have a beer and a burger on me you know and you're like oh wow score (laughs) Um, so that was so much money and then the catch was 
the guy wanted me to do 40 minutes, but I did not have 40 minutes of material at that stage. I'd only been doing it for a year. Uh, then I asked him, can I maybe do 20, 20 minutes for half the money? So like a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then he said, yes, I also didn't have 20 minutes, but I thought I would just do my, my 10 minutes. I try and stretch it out. I'll just do it at half the yeah. pace. Um, but it was at this strip club on a, I didn't know it was a strip club. It's a place called Rock Paradise. Okay. So I just knew the whole time building up to the gig, it's at Rock Paradise. And the weird thing was, it was in Kenton Park, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I grew up here. How have I never heard of this place? But it's like this really dingy. And I told a friend, and he's like, dude, it's a strip club. <laughs> what, what, what time was your show? This is the weirdest thing. It was at two in the afternoon. <laughs> so <laughs> I go there, two in the afternoon, there's maybe like three men. <laughs> and my dad, who I didn't... He was there forever. I didn't catch him there okay. I didn't catch him out he came with me okay. because he yeah. thought it was hilarious that I was performing at a strip club so he was like I need to see this yeah. he's coming with but it was basically wasn't like a very professional you know I think half of the ladies there were firstly illegal um, <laughs> not in age but in sort of you know not not yeah. the immigration right in, yeah. immigration yeah. and um yeah, and I think they were also offering, um, no, not I think, I know, because I was offered <laughs> illegal um, extra services <laughs> that goes further okay. than a lap dance. <laughs> um, so I got on stage. The, the act before me was a stripper. She had a whole, like, 40-minute routine. She had a variety show. Yeah. yeah. She had a whole 40-minute routine. I won't go into details, but, I mean, it got, <laughs> it got, it got, it got rough. And, I mean, I'm 19 at the time you know so I mean I was really like wow what is going on and then the MC doesn't even kind of do like he he wasn't a comedian he was doing like songs cover songs doesn't even do one song between me and her just brings me straight on after (laughs) and I walk on stage and I mean it's three men who couldn't care less about (laughs) are they expecting a stripper? uh, no they they know it's a comedy the the Strip club did have comedy on a Friday afternoon. But, I mean, they couldn't care less about the comedian on stage, about me. They each had a stripper on their lap. So they were, like, staring staring very deep into their eyes. And it was was going so badly that eventually the strippers came and they kind of... I, I heard them sort of, like, whispering backstage and they were saying to each other, come, guys, come, 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 let's go support, let's go support. He's a fellow performer, you know. So then they all came around, sat in front, and then, like, they all, like, applauded oh, and laughed okay. really loud. But, like, kind of fake laughing to try and, yeah. you know, yeah, motivate yeah. me to carry on because they could see I was just dying. <laughs> and my dad's sitting in the back, and he's laughing his ass off, not at the jokes, but at me. And, uh, yeah, so I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It was, like, really... Um, what do you call it in English? Baptism by fire. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. It's really a baptism yeah. by fire. Well, yeah. well, let's chat about your writing routine. You know, how, how do you go about writing a stand-up? You know, what do you like? Do you focus on the punchline? Is it a gag? Is it a story? What, what's your approach to? Yeah. So, you know, I actually was thinking about it on the way. Yeah. So I don't, I don't physically write it down. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
I kind of, which is a, an idea that I, first time I came to Edinburgh that I then took back to South Africa. South African comedians, more work like the American guys where they would go test material in yeah. clubs yeah. sort of five minutes at a time. And every time you've you got your gag, you kind of like go, okay, bank that for the show. Um, whereas I actually prefer the UK version where people do new material shows. You do a full hour, you make the ticket super cheap, you advertise it as a work in progress so the audience know that they're coming to see like a work in progress. They know they're not seeing a finished product. Uh, The ticket also reflects that, the ticket price. Um, And then that really gives you the freedom to just like really mess around and whatever. So for those, I'll make notes. But the material is in a sort of 50% already written because I do stories most of my stand-up is stories from the past things that have happened to me so it's already written in the sense of like I know what happened I know the story I just need to then basically in a sense write the punchlines into it and sometimes obviously exaggerate a bit for comic effect Um, but I I have a really good memory like I did public speaking in school and I stayed fit and all those things I, I have a really good memory and once a joke sort of works on stage I don't know it locks into my brain and I can't sort of forget it you know yeah. so it's not really necessary for me to write it down I then will make just like a set list notes on my phone like athletics joke my dad and then just have the the but sort are, of bullet points. Yeah, I, I mean, you, when you're doing like an hour's show or whatever, are you are you sort of trying to do a structure that is has a theme throughout that story? No, no. no. Right. Um, that's obviously a very popular thing yeah. in Edinburgh. So the first time I came here, so again, South African comics are closer to Americans in the sense of like a lot of stand-up specials, you watch of the American comedians it's like the show will have a title and it's like here's a joke about my kids here's a joke about my dog here's something funny that happened to me it's not really along the same but in Edinburgh you'll see a lot of shows about like private school you know and they only speak about like their private school experience or it will be one long story about trying to find your father or whatever, you know. And, yeah, I, I, at some stage I thought I should try it, but I just, that's not the comedian yeah. I am. I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to tell one long story for the whole show. So I think thematically in my show now, this show I've, I'm doing this year is the most kind of themed but it wasn't really on purpose it just happened that a lot of the material sort of followed the same thing which is kind of that I was quite a sensitive child in school and I do a bit about how I was bullied in school Um, but yeah, that wasn't really planned if I'm honest (laughs) I wanted to ask 
hecklers, you know, is that something which I'm sure you've had to deal with? And do you write material to combat that in advance, or do you just think I'll just come up with a funny line or a put down if it happens? Yeah, I I haven't had thankfully hecklers as in like you suck kind of hecklers. But what does happen in South Africa, we're a big drinking country, is people just being too drunk in the show. So they're not heckling, it's more just someone being drunk and um, shouting things out. But it's a hard thing because they're not actually... In their mind, they're not being malicious. They're just contributing to the show or they're just excited to see you. Um, But I've actually realized that if if you... kind of still in comedy mode try and put down a heckler they don't stop because they think you're just like messing back you know messing around back at them so these days actually just stop the show and as earnestly and nicely as possible just say hey I know I know you're really enjoying yourself but these these people have paid for a ticket and I really want to give them the show that they paid for and can I just please ask you to kind of keep Calendar. keep quiet yeah. or if you can't maybe go outside and have a drink at the bar <laughs> yeah. and w- wait for us to come out and then we can all have a drink together and talk really loud you know um, and that I feel approach kind of catches people offside because it's like oh we yeah. seem like really nice about it yeah, you know yeah, no expecting that kind of approach yeah yeah kill them with kindness as it were yeah, yeah. and in terms of becoming I mean you've told us how you got into comedy became a stand-up but is there any path into becoming a stand-up or is it just literally you have to just decide I want to go and do this and just put yourself in front of the audience yeah there's really no there's really no path I mean even if you just look at Edinburgh it's like a perfect example um I was actually quite inspired in 2019 because I was feeling really low. Um, you know, because some people come and they do Edinburgh and it's the first or second yeah. time and they get nominated for an award and then they're on telly and then, like now, 2022, I'm seeing acts that were like on my level in 2019. Yeah. And now they're doing like much bigger venues. I'm like, wow, this guy's really blown up. And in the... Uh, in 2019, I was feeling really low, and also all the all the stars and the reviews yeah. really gets you down, you know. Because um, you know, in 2019, I never got a four or five star review, and then I go watch shows, and then the show that I'm watching has a four star review, and I'm like, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily think my show is better than this, but I at least think it's as good. As good. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it's just like it's really a, it's frustrating. It's a very su- subjective thing, though, isn't it? It's yes. comedy more more so than yeah, any yeah. other form. Absolutely. I think. But then I met um, Eddie Izzard, and I uh, he asked me how my fringe was going, and I said, "Well, dude, if I'm if I'm honest, I'm 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 battling a bit, you yeah. know, especially with the whole review system and whatever." And and he and he told me about his path, which was basically seven. Only in his seventh year of doing Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. like something clicked and he won a big award. And then he was Eddie Izzard. And then. So the keys of just doing it? He never looked back, yeah. yeah. But like I said, he told me seven years of basically like eating shit in Edinburgh. (laughs) Like he says, one year, 
lost money, second year lost, but a bit less, yeah. third year break even, fourth year make a little bit, five year, fifth year, um, you know, but then like I said, then there's other people who come, first year, boom, smash it, yeah. and they go like above so and beyond. It's always a kind of mystery of some things just seem to yeah. click and connect and just get zoomed right up the top of the zeitgeist. Yeah, and then, and then similarly, you get other guys who do Edinburgh like just kind of forever and they never yeah. go to that next level even just in South Africa like I mean there's certain guys that were already sort of headlining gigs when I was starting out and they kind of just have stayed on the same level, same level. so there is really no rules to it there's yeah. no way of there's no loopholes it's just every person has a different journey well, you're here at Edinburgh now in the, in the festival, so why don't you tell us a bit about what your show is, is all about? Yeah, so I just I just chose a title that was kind of generic, I'll make laugh to you like you want me to. <laughs> um, it's sort of supposed to be a pun of from the song, yeah. but some people I've handed them my flyer. What I didn't take into account was some people's accent. Because they'll go, oh, I'll make laugh to you like you want me to. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you say laugh instead of laugh, it doesn't really <laughs> rhyme with yeah, yeah. love. So doesn't, that doesn't really work. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I just chose a generic title because, I mean, that was the show I was going to do in, in 2020. Mm. Okay. And um, it's completely different material than I would have done in 2020. So I normally... I just wanted to choose a title that I kind of could put any material into yeah. and it would work. Um, but the shape that it kind of took was, you know, I talk about the type of child that I was in school, which was more like the drama kid, not really sporty. And then I talk a bit about um, being bullied in school, which is also the first material that I've that I've done on stage that kind of gets a bit more serious mm. and yeah. where I like kind of drop the comedy facade yeah. and just talk openly and honestly um, I wanted to challenge myself with that because I was always very scared of silence on stage like whenever there was yeah even a second silence I would speed up my yeah, set yeah. and I would, I would start panicking and sweating and I wanted to challenge myself and like no I can actually you know drop the punchlines for a short while yeah get people to actually feel something and then boom bring back the punchline yeah. and, and and carry on um yeah it's it's, it's not really a anti-bullying show or anything like that it's just a 15 minute section in the show and then yeah it just ends with some random jokes <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know as with many comedians you were, we were talking before uh, we started recording uh, the, the marketing of these things a lot of the onus falls on you mm. yourself you're, you're after the recording this you're going to go flyering yeah. which you were saying I yeah. mean is that is that something that is unique to the fringe or is that something that happens in other festivals and stuff as well? We have a, a, a festival in South Africa called the, the National Arts Festival um, which when I was still starting out we took like a 
four, four, we were four comedians that, that took a show and we would go flyer every day. But yeah, it's, it's really soul destroying, you know, especially if you're flyering your own show. Yeah. If you're yeah. just a flyer that you get, you get being paid, let's say, 20 pounds for two hours yeah. and you just get handed you don't care a thousand flyers yeah. and if someone says no thanks or they reject you or whatever like on to the next one and I mean then you go home you, you, yeah. you're not going to the com- you're not the comedian standing on stage that night performing to 20 people or whatever um, so it's much more like invested interest when you actually fly a, yeah. your own show and uh, yeah it's, it's it's tough man sometimes it's really fulfilling because You'll go flyer, and then your show, your show's full, and you're like, yeah. "Wow!" But two hours ago, it was half full, yeah. Yeah. so it actually did make a difference. Yeah, wow, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, but other times, just you, you you sort of eagerly go ask your agent after two hours of flying, well, "What are we on?" Yeah. And then you're on exactly the same, <laughs> on exactly the same amount. So, yeah. But I mean, geez, I, I was I was saying that before we started recording that the first two days are just because I haven't done it now in three years. Yeah. Last time I was flying was in 2019 because in South Africa, I advertise my shows on social media and I've got a decent amount of followers that I can kind of fill up really nice-sized venues with yeah. my socials. Now, obviously, those followers are mostly in South Africa, so yeah. it doesn't really help in Edinburgh. Yeah. So now I'm like flying again and uh, the first two days, I just... First day, I think I handed out like three... And I just stopped. I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, let me just ease into it. Yesterday I had like a really low day, and I just couldn't even hand out one flyer. And then to, to, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself this one more day to feel sorry for myself. Tomorrow I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to like hand out so all is, the flyers. Is this the hit hard day? This is hitting it hard. Hit hard day. Yes. I just had to like kind of. Have a little bit of a pity party for no, myself yesterday, yeah, totally, yeah. and uh, now I can sort of start fresh today. Yeah, no, but it's, it's interesting hearing it from the point of view of the comedian because you know I, I am guilty of just walking past. Yeah, yeah, you know, not, people not even seeing the person I know, flyer. It's I know, I know, it's true, and it yeah. can mean everything. To it. Yeah, so yeah, we you're will. an asshole. Though. I know, I am an asshole. That's the awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where and when is your show? So it's at the Gilded Balloon. Um, I don't really know what that building is called, but I mean, yeah, anyone yeah, can yeah, find yeah, it yeah, if you just yeah. Google or Google yeah. Maps Gilded Balloon. Um, and it's in the balcony room and you can go to the assembly box office, Gilded Balloon box office. It's every night at 20 to 8. Or if you want to go to my website, scalpersano.com, the link to the tickets are also there. And um, yeah, Probably. I think it's a, it's a good laugh. Awesome. And if you don't laugh, well, it's only an hour. <laughs> no, just, as long as you buy a ticket, that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, the, the very, very last thing we always do is a super quick fire, either or. So we'll just start off with uh, what's the worst heckle you've ever had and what's the best heckle you've ever had? The worst heckle I think I've ever had, just because it was literally in April, just because I, I was so kind of stunned I like, really didn't have anything to say back I was just really drunk in the audience and I kept kind of throughout the show being like hey please keep quiet please keep quiet 
and she just kept drinking more and more and more and at some stage she was like you dated my friend Lou <laughs> Yeah, I did. Wow, why are we talking about exes? Like, she just, that was like the, her only connection yeah, to yeah. me was yeah, that yeah. I used to date her friend. And she just shouted that out. And I was really kind of, it, just it t- took me so by surprise that no, I had no <laughs> comeback. Yeah. Uh, and what about the best joke? Best heckle. Best heckle, sorry. That's the best joke. Best heckle. Oh, best heckle. Um, well, I used to have this joke where um, the punchline was boo-hoo-poos. It was basically uh, this dude who I talk about like the type of people that I went to school with and this guy I went to school with would post this long inspirational quote uh, and then I read the whole quote and then someone else from our class just commented boo-hoo-poos. And um, so I do the joke in the show and then it was the same show that I also did this material about being bullied in school, you know, and like really opening up. So it's like at a really quiet moment, I'm like, you know, and it was like really tough, you know. And then someone <laughs> shouted, boo, <laughs> But I mean, I I wasn't mad. I was like, that was, was yeah. brilliant. It was great timing, yeah. Yeah, great to bring it back up. Yeah, it was well, good.